Hello there. This is the post-match reaction for the Europa League final. Unfortunately, Kev didn't want to join us. Don't really know why. Um, speaking is me, LMC, and we've got uh, Julian. Hello, guys. We've also got JB. Hello. And we've got Calvin. Hi. Hey. Okay, so um, we decided that we'd do this podcast because obviously it's quite awesome winning a cup um, and beating Arsenal, just just to throw that in there. Um, but actually we thought, considering we did a preview, we might as well do a post-match too. And just to let you know, guys, if uh, anyone wants to join from Liverpool Spurs on Saturday, you're more than welcome to get involved. You'll never sing that. You'll never sing that. Champions of Europe, you'll <laughs> never sing that. <laughs> Who needs an intro if you've got done singing? Okay, so, um, I don't know. Who wants to start? Dan, what was your feeling on the match today? First half was what I thought it was going to be. It, we, it was a bit cagey. It was a bit tense and scared of, like, conceding. But we was also scared about the attacking. And I, I just felt that, that the players needed to relax a bit more. Yeah, I agree, to be honest. I think the first half was very cagey. It was very nervy. I think we made some fundamental mistakes. Uh, but fortunately for us, Arsenal didn't really capitalise on any of that. Um, and then I don't know what happened at half-time. Sarri clearly went into the Arsenal dressing room because we came out like he really didn't do any team talk and did it for ourselves. Um, but Arsenal just seemed to not really then bring it to us. Yeah, because I, I can't remember who it was who uh, interviewed after the game, but they were asked, what did Sarri say at half-time that made the difference? And apparently all he said was, just go out there and do what you did in the first half. <laughs> yeah, and I'm like... I was sitting there watching that, thinking it's totally different. Well, yeah, because the problem with that is, is that Sarri's too busy going to have a half-time smoke, so he says few words and off he goes. So I'd like to know what Zola said. I got a feeling that it was you got to look at the characters inside of our dressing room. So the people like Saiza, um, David Luiz. I got a feeling it was these type of characters that actually got us all geared up into that second half and blitzed Arsenal in a space of like 20, 25 minutes to get four goals. Mm. And I just totally at half time, we looked at 0 0. I was thinking, oh God, 0 0, Sarri team talk, we'll be 2 0 down 10 minutes after 10 minutes into the second half, and all of a sudden we started scoring goals. Well, I'm not even joking because I, oh, my my friend literally texted me and he said, uh, "Oh shit! Now we've got like the ten minutes of the first half to get through," and I just went, "Yeah, I know this isn't this isn't ideal at all." I was feeling really before the game. I actually felt quite downbeat anyway. I was completely uninspired. I didn't go out for a final. This is the first time I've never ever been out organised to go out with friends to go and actually watch a final. I just thought, do you know what? I can't bother. Facing people after the season we've had is just going to be uh, to top it off. And got to half time, 
and just thought, you know what, I really don't think that we're going to do this. And if we do, it's going to be all down to going to extra time and penalties and we're going to have to go through all that stress. And then all of a sudden, something just quits. And I was like, oh, hello. Well, it's, it's nice to actually have a European final where we win convincingly. I mean, you think about it, we got the, going back, 1971 Cup Winners' Cup, that went to a replay. 98, it was a single goal. Champions League, we all know what happened there. 2013, Banovich um, in the last sort of few minutes. Yeah. So it's all been really close. And in this one, you could sit back and Sarri had his cigar at the end. It's almost like you'd all just sit back and have a cigar. Yeah. He looked more excited about the cigar than anything. I think he looked at wonder at his medal, didn't he? Like, what is this? Well, yeah. Then that I think that tells you I think that tells you everything you need to know about Sari. He's not he's not used to winning major trophies and this being a major, his first ever major trophy for a club, it's there's everything you need to know about Sari. What and you think he's been in the business for thirty years and what did he get? Uh Seri D um promotion or something i can't remember what it was but i just looked at it and just thought wow that's in 30 years there wasn't was it serie b runners up with empty or something yeah but i think he did something with like a, a d club but th- that's what i mean it was something really tragic uh, and he, just... he was promoted to serie a with empoli that's right he was and then he was after he kept them in the in Serie A, he got he got hired by Napoli. But there was some, and I mean something like proper early doors, where he won some kind of trophy with a Serie D team, which I didn't even know existed. Yeah. And that's it. That's all he's ever won. And so, I do wonder because his pre-match uh, press conferences were just strange to me. Just really strange. Started saying that the Serie B like the Serie B promotion was was way more important than this game today and and I almost feel like he was convincing himself that if he didn't win this it wasn't the end of the world for him. I mean I don't but, even, I don't even think it was even that didn't he say it was he's sure there were certain matches he had in Serie B that were more important than his final that's right. Yeah. <clears throat> it was crazy that just didn't make any sense at all where I just thought, oh my goodness, now I feel like we're We've kind of bought this caliber of manager upon ourselves by saying, right, hey, he looks like he did a really good job for them. Let's hope that's going to convert to the Premier League. And then he's he downplays everything, and but to the point where actually it's like he doesn't give a crap. And that's really hard to connect with when you're a fan because it's like, no, we want you to say we're doing everything we can, you know. And then we had that training session yesterday where that was just complete carnage. I mean, the guy's kicking around a hat, for God's sake. It's just like you knew that the media and the world was watching you. What on earth possessed you to behave like that? Because I think every Chelsea fan at that moment just went, Jesus Christ, this is on the eve of a final. Well, I remember... There was the official report that came out from Chelsea that said he was upset that he didn't have 10 minutes to collect his free kicks. But I've also seen where um, it was pointed out, in fact, the whole hour would be an open training session. So, but doesn't that, didn't that remind you of the whole Kepa situation at Wembley, though, where he, they all come out and said something completely different that 
Kepa wasn't being a spoilt brat. Kepa wasn't doing anything wrong. It was a miscommunication, but then Kepa still got punished, which told me it wasn't a miscommunication. Yeah. Kepa overruled our manager. Yeah. I mean, you're at the and now I feel like that's the same. I mean, you had the incident as well with Higuain, um, where um, Higuain when I was um, trying to get the ball off Louise, and Louise elbowed him in the face. Oh, yes, I did see that. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot going on yesterday. And all of this in front of the world's eyes, which was amazing. Yeah, I mean, before the game, the only, the only reason I thought we'd do well is that it just reminded me of 2012, where we had, if you remember, Louise and Cahill both virtually injured. And then yeah. today, you had Kante really roaming the play. Pedro was meant to have been injured. So, That's right, yeah. They made a big deal about Pedro today. I've yeah. got to ask you a question, though. Do you think... Chelsea might have made a ploy and tried to try to make try to get Arsenal thinking. Oh, Chelsea's imploded on themselves the eve before a European final. Would you do that to your fans, though? Wow, that's the question. Is that you, you might do might do that to the fact you might be able to do that to the fans, but you also can get into your minds of the opponents as well. And all mm. one tonight. I don't know, I think it's a bit bit much. You know, I mean I can understand back in especially in the old days of Jose, you know, that he used to say there were players that were injured and they weren't and stuff like that, just to try and get a little advantage on the lineup. But not not to have a bit you know where David Lewis is elbowing Higuain and the managers storming off the pitch to come out about. Yeah, I mean it's quite far fetched. I don't know how you feel about it, Calvin, but I genuinely looked at that yesterday and thought my first reaction was you wouldn't see even Klopp, Fergie, definitely not Fergie, in that situation where the world is watching and reacting in that manner. Oh, of course not. Fergie would have thrown something at somebody. Yeah, I mean, it's just to be there in front of the world and kicking a hat around and making a real scene about something which none of us were really aware of what that was about and then I feel like the story afterwards was really fabricated but I just think you wouldn't see any top manager behaving like that Jose yes he's a pain in the arse in himself but what he brings with it is a little bit of character and the credentials to almost allow him to behave slightly off the wall but for Sari to be like that in front of the world when all you want is just a real smooth entrance into the final, just couldn't imagine anyone else doing that. Yeah, I mean, normally for these big, big finals and stuff like that, you don't actually hear too much about the, the training session before the game. No, so, you don't. But it's all of a sudden, there's massive moves and everyone's elbowing and kicking stuff about because it made it look like there was chaos. But Jose wouldn't have gone that far. He would have, I think, he'd like to do things to galvanise the players. Mm. I, you know, get the them and us mentality. But that wasn't, didn't seem the case. I mean, no, I think that situation with Higuain and Luis was, was the real deal. There's no way Luis would have elbowed him and, and Higuain's had a paddy for two weeks running now, which has been shown across the whole sports media. So, there's clearly something wrong with him, which is ironic because he was brought in to try and help Sarri. And actually, I think he's made a lot of things worse. But it's funny now because now Dan said that about do you think it was slightly set up? 
or or at least the the Kante and the Pedro situation. I think maybe there's something behind that because Kante before the game started looked looked like he couldn't even kick a ball, and then he played amazingly for the whole ninety minutes. But yeah. did Arsenal do an open training session? I think they both did, didn't they? Oh, they did. Because yeah, I was just about to ask. I don't. I've never known that to happen. Yeah, it was both reported that um, they was both doing the training session beforehand. Um, I was seeing things on Twitter. BT Scott was hugely um, doing on their channel for yesterday, yesterday mm. night. That there see, was I things... didn't see Arsenal's at all, so I wasn't aware. I just knew ours was going on, and then I knew a whole lot more about it after all of the. The only Arsenal. thing that the only thing that I've seen of Arsenal's is like them having like pretty much the kicking around, getting used to the stadium, like getting used to the pitch. That's all. That's what I've seen from Arsenal. But apart from what I've seen of ours, is all that calamity. Yeah, I googled Arsenal open training session, and it brought up sorry storms out of training before UEL final. Oh, really? That says it all. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Exactly. I mean, the yeah. thing is, it's like, um, yeah, I've I don't know. I think maybe the Kante situation was. And especially Sari before the game because that drove me nuts when they said, "Oh, Kante uh, is in the lineup. That's really good news." And his immediate reaction: "Well, well, we're trying. We're going to put him out in the warm up." And I was just like, "You can't do that. If there's an actual risk that you're going to damage this player, you cannot be playing him today." And that made me really angry. So half of me was thinking, when he then started playing and he seemed okay, I thought. Surely you couldn't have made that up because you can't be doing that to your fans. Yeah, I, the whole thing, I say, it, it was almost Jose-esque, you know, that's what, that's what he used to do. He used to say somebody was injured and they weren't, and all of a sudden they were playing. And, but I, I don't think Sarri is the sort of manager that does that. No. You know, he just seems, I mean, okay, I find his football generally tedious and boring. I think his management style generally is. I think he just sort of sticks to the basics, if you know what I mean. Yeah, he sticks to what he knows. There's yeah. no no movement. It's his no. way or no way. But then I felt like the second half really wasn't his way. Yeah, it's, you know, I'm just, I'm just wondering if there was some sort of player power going on there because it was, you know, look, this isn't working. We're in a final. We've got to do something. Half of me hopes it was because I genuinely think if we'd have gone on the the second half the way we were in the first half, I really don't think that that was going to work for us. No, no, I mean, it was just, there was nothing, it was so boring in the first half. Yeah. So, okay, Chet made a couple of good saves and I think he was, he was basically their man of the match. The Arsenal man of the match. Which will, which will please care no end. But it's true. Yeah. I think the saves he's done in the first half, he's done a couple in the second half. Without him, it could have been six, seven away. Which you can't believe you're saying about Chelsea against Arsenal. Yeah. Because we, we not, you know, some of the results we've had this year. See, my is when that first goal happened with uh, Giroud, I think Arsenal was actually quite shocked by that. And that happened within like the first two, three minutes of the second half, completely throwing them. But then getting that second goal straight after in a space of like four or five minutes was it after. Yeah, it kind of. 
it kind of he kind of took him out of t- kind of took him out of pace, and they didn't know what to do in the end. Yeah, I think you're right. I think it rocked them. Yeah, yeah. I think I don't know. Like you know, talking about what Sari said at halftime, I kind of want to know what Emery said at halftime. Like what what happened? Because in the first half, Arsenal looked tight and they looked together. They were not playing well, but neither was Chelsea. So you kind of let that go. But like they looked like they sort of had a mission. And then in the second half, they just didn't look anywhere near the same side. And then once the goal went in, all their heads dropped. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just wondering how much they thought that all they had to do was keep going, a couple of chances to come, and they had Lacazette and Aubameyang, who can just put one away. And they you could forgive them for that, because not being funny, look how rolled over we have been by some smaller clubs this, this season. You could almost say, you could almost argue in Emery's favour that he could have prepared for that game from December because there are never usually any surprises from the Sarri side. No, no, there's not. No, and uh, it's you know what? Because when you guys were complaining about how bad your screens were for watching the game, I was looking at mine and it just cut to Emery. It was after Arsenal had a shot after like 14, 15 minutes into the game. And he has this big old grin on his face. And I was like, what, what is he happy about? It, it, everyone's doing bad. Mm. Well, that was a good shot and it was a good save, but it wasn't, there was nothing there that you're like, I, if, if someone's smiling that big, that means somebody scored a goal. So I don't know what he was really thinking, but he looked really happy in the first half. And then the second half, once the first goal went in, his expression was just bad. Yeah, and he was very animated in the first half, using lots of gestures and looking a bit like a ballerina. But, yeah, I felt like in the second half, you didn't see that from him. It was almost like his head had dropped as well. Yeah, it's just very strange. Sorry, do you feel like he was... that In that first half, because he had... Because I won't lie to you, in that first half, Arsenal had Sahib was had more of the game in their hands. And I, f- I feel like maybe Unai Emery at the time felt, yeah, I've got this, I've got this. I've got the control of this now. And he's had and... the experience in the Europa League to see see a team through. Yeah. Well, yeah. I just wanted to touch on as well, because I'm actually on the um, Chelsea page on Amino while we're talking. And... I flick back through so that we can have a little bit of insight of what people are saying. Not many people talk really during the game. It's mostly done in the main page. But um, so we have people saying, um, where's our passion? We've got no urgency. This is dreadful. Um, Have we actually been practicing for this match? Um, Pedro looks average. Um, Hazard's not in the game. I don't think Kante should be on the pitch. Uh, Hazard's throwing around Um, Colin has said as well all these flicks are doing my head in and that was one thing I kept saying just crazy amounts of flicks and tricks we're we're nil nil it's not even half time what are you doing this isn't showboating time and and that's when I felt like that's maybe that's why Arsenal seemed more in control of their side of the game because actually we weren't doing anything to harm them. Yeah, I mean Hazard in the first part, I didn't even notice him. Yeah. You know, I mean, I've, I've, this is my personal opinion. Not people disagree, but there are a lot of games where he disappears. 
He's mm-hmm. not hundred percent consistent. He's, when he when he's when he's playing well, he's very 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 good. But there are a lot of games where he sort of disappears and don't notice him, or every time he gets the ball, he loses it. And you know, it's not like a consistent thing. I don't think any player's hundred percent consistent, but you know what I mean. It's not like yeah, he totally dips consistent. in and out, and I think he's he's quite uh, what I would call an emotional player where I yeah. feel like if things aren't going his way, he gives up. And if he's not getting the support, he gives up. If he's being kicked left, right and centre, he gives up. And you've almost got to look at it and think, well, actually, 90% of his season is on his ass because people are just surrounding him and that's where he ends up because he's being kicked. But on the other side of that, I wonder how frustrated he gets because actually when he's got three or four players around him and there's space elsewhere, no one else is utilising it. No, I know, because the Sarri thing is it's got to be little, little passes, little quick passes. Yeah. I mean, don't forget when we scored the first goal, literally 30 seconds later, Hazard went on a run, which he hadn't done in the first half. Yeah. It's almost like, hang on a minute, we'll wind it up, let's have a bit of fun. So, Not blood, though, didn't they? After that, after that, after the second goal, he, he smelt blood in this. Yeah, I think you're right. But, but then that's what I'm saying. Then he upped his game and he then pushed harder. So he stopped strolling around like he did in the first half and took a bit more charge in the second. But is that because then they felt a little bit more lifted? Like, right, OK, we're one in front. Let's now go at this. Well, his second goal, I think, told story and uh, smart blood in it. He got the space he got to get that goal against Arsenal, where over the Arsenal defence inside the box, and Hazard mm-hmm. neatly tucked it away. You could tell that he was that the confident side of him, knowing where to be, knowing what to do. Mm. I think. Um... I think we also can't go without saying, um, talking about Arsenal. And Do we, we have might, to? Have to let, might have to let Calvin take the lead on this, seeing as uh, we don't actually have an Arsenal fan here to put their side across. Oh, that's because Kev, Kev bottles it all the time. Yeah, Kev, you do keep bottling it, mate. But I'd like, I'd like to know what um, o- Ozil does. I don't, I, for a while, I forgot Ozil was playing. And then I saw him and I was like, oh, yeah, Ozil's playing today. And then I didn't see him again for like 20 minutes after that. And then all of a sudden I see a, oh, guess what? He just got subbed. And I went, he was playing? That's exactly when someone said, is Ozil playing? I said, and I wasn't even joking, not even sure. And then when he was subbed off, I was like, oh, he did play. I didn't even notice that like he was gone, honestly, because he was never there. He makes a lot of money. Makes a, yeah, an awful lot of money. Well, three hundred fifty thousand a week, isn't it? You look. Did you? Did any of you notice him? Time though. Sorry, say that again, Dan. I can get more. Kante. It was Kante. I don't know if he was what. Well, obviously he was watching, but he was watching where the ball. I was actually watching where Kante was as well. Kante was pretty much on Ozil's shoulder, so we might fire Arsenal's threat, which they can't. 
by putting Kantai. I think, and I think, I wonder if that's why it was so important to make sure Kante could play today. Well, well, well mark somebody because he's going to just, I mean, what do do with Brown? Oh. Yes, it's happening again. <laughs> it's happened again. It's happened again. <laughs> JBC, they've happened again. <laughs> oh. For those listening who obviously don't get access to our test things where we're just messing about, this has happened before. <laughs> yeah. It's like an intermission. Yeah. I'm fighting, fighting about something, and I don't know what it is, so I'll just let him get on with it. Because JB wants us to ignore his children. Uh, and has some videos up, and one of the headlines is Maitland Niles was shocking. Yes, he was. I don't think he was that shocking to me, though. I thought he was one of Arsenal's best players. That, when he gave me that penalty, I was like, what the hell are you doing? And the thing is, as well, is um, what... See, I don't really understand why he, he's been singled out as the person to be called shocking, in all honesty. I think they... I think every single one of them had a bad patch. I didn't even notice any Arsenal player stand out apart from Petr Cech with his saves. I mean, you think of the, the chances Arsenal had. Who was it? Was it Aubameyang who missed that chance in the first half? Oh, that is going to kill Kev. <laughs> <laughs> well, they, they, had, they had a couple of chances. I mean, that was a, that was a clear-cut chance. That's the sort of one a top striker should be putting away. But if you actually go on statistics, Aubameyang's missed um, more clear-cut chances than any other player in the Premier League. That's interesting. I think it's 20 or 21. And the next closest is on about 14, I think it is. Wow. So he misses a lot of chances. And and actually, it was him and Lacazette that I worried most about because although everyone says about Arsenal's defence, I wasn't so sure about ours. But I actually think Christiansen stepped up tonight and and felt like he's he righted a few wrongs from... Barcelona that everyone seems to talk about all the time. But do you know who stood out for me? It was the, the boy who came on who actually replaced Ozil. Was it uh Willock. Willock, yeah. Joe Willock. He actually had a positive impact for them. He was strong, he was running towards goal, he had a couple of shots. Yes, admittedly, they obviously didn't come to anything. But I actually thought he made more of an impact in the short time he was on the pitch than any other Arsenal player. Well, it was down to him that I think it was Alex Awobi got that goal yeah. against us, which was, I can't, I can't lie, even though I'm happy we've got the win, but it was that was an amazing strike. Yeah. First time, hit, boom. And they only Quite had two shots on target all game. And they scored from one of them. So I think that tells you that actually, had they have come at us, it, they probably could have made that difficult. I mean, you think about Kepa. I mean, what sort of gloves was he wearing? Football or boxing? 
Yeah, boxing gloves. Punched I mean, everything. Yeah, exactly. The ball was coming straight to yeah, him, but, yeah, but... across in, and it's, he's punching it away. Yeah, a lot of keepers are doing that now. They're like, especially early in the season when De Gea, when we were conceding, De Gea was punching these balls away, and then they were going to opposition players and they were scoring. I'm just going, why are we punching? Is there something behind that though? Because I actually said that to my husband, and I said he's doing my head in. Why does he keep doing that? Like, just he could have easily caught that. And he said, I'm wondering if it's because if you punch a ball away. Uh, and you're sending it outfield, there's more chance that you are then countering. Whereas when you hold it, everyone gets back into position and you're having to start from scratch. And I was like, hmm, didn't really think no. of that. Yeah, see, I don't, I don't agree. I mean, I think understand this thing where the ball has to be short, fair enough. But you think of the times when we had Petr Cech and he used to catch the ball and immediately boot the ball up the pitch to drop ball or whoever. When you've got the players, he used to do that all the time. That was far quicker. Yeah. I but don't I think... know. There's obviously something behind it. There's obviously some something tactical behind that. To Because why? He doesn't do that any other game. He hasn't done that any other game. He punches a lot, but he does catch them. They're just weird. If it's coming at him with a very high rate of speed, he's probably thinking, if I try to catch it, it's going to bounce and then Lacazette or Obama Yang is going to catch the rebound and put it in the net whereas if I punch it it's going to go out of the box at least temporarily yeah, yeah and then it's but, someone else's issue yeah but to be honest the first one he did it with the lacrosse into the middle was almost like a back pass it wasn't a whipped in high speed ball it was just general as Calvin said maybe it was just that that fear of their attacking threat with just those names of those two players. I mean, I don't think they really did much tonight anyway, but any other any other day, if, you, if you're if you not on your metal and you've got Aubameyang and Lacazette running at you, they're going to they're gonna do something. Maybe it was the fear that actually, attacking-wise, they could really destroy us here. They're both poachers. I mean, they're one of those that if it's in within sight of them and they can touch it, it's gonna probably gonna end up in the net. So, that kind of... yeah, I think I think it's all down to what uh, I've heard what Petr Cech said while he, while his time at Arsenal compared to his time at Chelsea. When you lose a game at Arsenal, there's no pressure, there's no that intensity, there's no the end of the world syndrome type of thing. Whereas you lose a game at our club. It's everyone's got everyone's on it, stressed, angered, pissed off. Really wanted to get back onto onto that winning streak again to win, and I think that that has echoed through all of the Arsenal, all the Arsenal players, and going into finals because that's their fourth final, and they've lost all four in the European finals. You know, that, that's, I mean, we've won. Chelsea have won the Champions League. The Europa League and Cup Winners Cup, and Arsenal lost in the final of all three. So, you know, there's just, just different mentality. But before this season was under Wenger, so that wasn't much of a surprise. <laughs> no, that's true. But, I mean, Whereas, they... but I honestly looked at today's game like it was a completely different beast because FA Cup is Arsenal's Cup majority of the time and we played them two years ago we lost to them 2-1 I know I was there it was horrible um, 
But I thought under Emery it was going to be a completely different beast for the fact he's won those three in a row. He was, he is a winner. He, he know he's got that experience. So I don't understand how he got that so dramatically wrong today when he was up against Sarri, which, not being rude, it has won absolutely nothing. So do we say that actually then it is down to the players on the pitch? It was that we wanted it more. It was that Arsenal maybe were a bit cocky, knowing that we actually haven't been playing that great. And admittedly, they haven't too. But did they think that the experience of Sarri and just going out there and playing was going to get them that game today or was it that our players got to the second half and just thought right we've got to go for this well as, as I said I think I think it was actually Giroud who did the interview where he said Sarri said go out in the second half and just carry on what they did in the first so I don't think it was Sarri that changed anything like you haven't yeah. changed anything all season but you know it's uh, I don't think he's done anything and it's uh, I think the players just thought hang on a minute we're in a final Let's, we've got to do something here. And maybe actually our players did step up today and just thought, yeah, this is, we've got to do this. I mean, Kante was running, making runs through the middle. And that's not the Sarri thing where you've got to keep passing. Mm. So there are a lot of players making runs that don't normally do that. And so I've got a funny feeling the players just thought, stuff it, it's a final. We're just going <laughs> to play the way we play. Let's do the Chelsea way. Yeah, basically. <laughs> They, they, didn't want, they knew the tactics in the first half made them so boring and we did look majorly like scoring check in a couple of saves but we didn't, it wasn't majorly I mean literally I said the game was boring literally 10 seconds before we scored yeah I, was, I just said sometimes this game's so boring all of a sudden all comes across you and heads it in yeah they completely it's, came alive it's not so boring now yeah, <laughs> yeah, it did. It came alive from that moment, and I thought maybe that was what we needed to to galvanise, to inspire them to just push on. But I think had we not have scored that goal, I don't think much would have changed, and I think we probably would have gone to extra time and penalties. Uh, yeah, another lot of penalties. Could have done through another iron track Frankfurt club again. So that was oh, stress. Oh, that was really stressful. I was saying to somebody today, actually, um, on Twitter, they, we would, he said about if it goes to penalties, he can't watch them. And, you know, it's not that he doesn't want to watch them. He literally physically can't watch them. And I said, see, I love a penalty shootout as long as it's not us. And I was at that Frankfurt game. And where I sit at, at Stamford Bridge, the penalties for the Frankfurt game were the opposite end. And... All I could see was a wall of all the players basically waiting to take the penalties. So I couldn't see an awful lot. And I said, all I remember was just seeing Kepper rise from the ashes after he did his, like, knee save. And, uh, you know, like this green hulk that just come up, like, rose above all these players. And I said, that is the only thing I remember about those penalties because I couldn't see anything and because I felt completely sick. Mm. I mean, I mean, with the penalties, I think the only penalty shooter I haven't actually watched was 2008. Mm. It's the only one I haven't watched. Every other time I've sat and watched it. Why didn't you watch 2008 then? Um, I just couldn't. Oh. Oh, so 
we lo- we lost on penalties in 2008 yeah, because yeah, of you, yeah, Jay. Yeah. Because of me. It's all JB's yeah. fault. Right. Terry, Terry gets could... blamed. I mean, the thing about, the thing about that 50 was I went outside the front door and I'm, uh, I knew my neighbours, Chelsea, as well. And then I was a massive cheer and I thought, we've won. That's him cheering now, we've won. It turned out it was the Man United supporting across the road. I didn't even know supporting Man United. Oh, no. <laughs> no. Yeah, listen to Calvin. <laughs> uh, I'm trying to be nice and not laugh, but it's funny. I blame, I blame an elka. <laughs> Always. <laughs> every, every penalty went the same way and was scored, and elka went the other way and uh, missed. So I blame an elka. Yeah, you will do because now you don't want it to be you. Well, yeah. <laughs> exactly. I've got to talk. We've got to talk about this. Some things that have been that annoyed me about tonight's game. One, that camera. Two, the amount of empty seats that that was sit that I that I seen during the game. That was incredibly bad. The camera angle was terrible, and I think Calvin had a better angle than us, from what I could tell from his picture that he put on tonight. But oh my goodness, I just thought. I think this camera angle is probably halfway up the uh, up the tiers, and that looked atrocious. I would have not have been liked to have been at the back of that stand in the top tier. Absolutely no way. It must have looked like ants. I mean, they showed pictures before the game and of the stadium, and it looked like the old Stamford Bridge, where you're half a mile away from the pitch. Oh, yeah, that outside bit. Is that because it's an Olympic stadium, though? Is that because that outside bit is the track? I'm guessing. It's the first time I've even seen the inside of that stadium. I haven't really cared about that stadium before, to be honest. I just saw the picture and thought, yeah, you probably get a better view at Barcelona, where you're up in golf, than you would back here, because it was just so far away. I'm interested to see, because my... um... One of my friends was actually on that flight today at Luton that was grounded because they didn't have any fuel. And uh, he got there in good time eventually. But um, I'm interested to hear from him when I speak to him where he sat and how it was from where he was because I could hear Chelsea fans, but they sounded like they were miles away. And I could hear them singing, but I think that's because I was listening out for them. But the rest of it was just like a very dull noise and it just didn't spark any inspiration. There was just nothing about it that would have inspired those players on the pitch. So, yeah, I mean, going, going, back to, going back to the AFTV, I just saw a video where they were saying, oh, you know, the stadium old is uh, on Arsenal, they have ground, there's loads of Arsenal in the ground. And then you look at the ground and virtually everything in the actual stadium is red. Mm. So they're saying, oh, that's full of arsenal and stuff like that. Don't have to exaggerate that lot. Well, I won't lie. When they, when uh, the build-up first started on BT Sport and they scanned around the stadium, um, it was pretty empty at that time. There were guys in Galatasaray shirts with, we hope, Arsenal win banners. Yeah, and that's that's where the whole this is where UEFA gets it so wrong because you're watching a final where essentially 
what how five thousand of those fans today were possibly Chelsea and Arsenal fans. Yeah, I think I think it's about five six thousand. So I know Chelsea gave was it three and a half thousand tickets back. Yeah, so I think a couple of thousand. Yeah. Did you hear about the commotion though outside for the Arsenal fans? Nope. Um, no, that one. Um, some of the Arsenal fans are in Henrik and the police were pulling uh, pulling them off and asking them to take to take them off because just because having the names Mkhitaryan on the back that's political though and and I'll be honest with you I think the guys that I saw being pulled over on some videos were they look Japanese or Chinese or don't want to be labelled as racist here they were Asian of some kind um, and they were walking through and the police had pulled them over and they did eventually let them go on their way but they stood for ages on these walkie talkies and feeding back to someone and clearly asking is it okay to let them go And but if you knew that your player hadn't gone for political reasons and for fear of safety, would you have gone there with Mkhitaryan on your on your back? Why would you buy? Go on, Calvin. Why would you buy his jersey? I just don't understand it. Yeah, it was so. It was strange. I always, I did understand it was almost making a point. Well, Mkhitaryan can't be here, but we're going to show that we're still supporting him. I understand that, but if you're going into a place of unrest. Are you really going to poke the wasp nest? I mean, they're not going to like Mkhitaryan anyway in Azerbaijan. I mean, Mkhitaryan being in Armenia and Armenia invaded. That's what I mean. Yeah, that's what I mean. And and everybody knew that's why Mkhitaryan hadn't gone. So would you really poke the wasp nest by walking around with Mkhitaryan on your back? Because it's almost like you're trying to mock them. Does that give now an ask? Does, does that now give Arsenal? Oh well, they're possibly the fans the excuse. Oh, if Mickey if Mickey went, we could have been a whole different game. Would no. you have hundred percent started? Sorry, say that again. He's he's not a defender, so I mean their problems were in defense. They were all over the place defensively, especially after the. I mean, for even for for the first Giroud goal, I mean. Two of them were just standing there staring as the ball went into the net, looking at Czech like, we'll save it. Yeah. <laughs> so, mean, was, so was Kev. Like, there's, nothing, there's nothing that Mickey could have done in that instance. I mean, he, and I don't really think he and Ozil play well together anyway when they play together. I just don't think Ozil plays well at all, to be honest. You get him in a big game, you still see him. The £350,000 a week for that. Uh, I think that's yeah. why Real Madrid sold, sold him in the end. They, they, they saw they saw him early on as not as a big game player because they expected him to be the the assist provider to Ronaldo to the to Kakas when when they when they were there at Real Madrid and literally didn't do that. Angel Di Maria when he was there showed showed a little bit of promise, but Ozil didn't in these big games. Yeah, they still they still worship him worship him at times. It's it's weird. I just don't 
you know, he has one good game in every 10 and all of a sudden he's a great player again. So I'd like to go back as well to uh, Dan, yours and Calvin's podcast of the preview where you're where Calvin actually was quite vocal about the Arsenal defence. Sorry, Kev. Um, <laughs> realistically, today, they lived up to your expectation, didn't they, Calvin? It's not even Mustafi's fault. No. I mean, <laughs> I mean you know, they, they love to blame him. And to be honest, I think he would have been an improvement over Koscielny because Koscielny was horrible. They all were, but Koscielny was especially horrible because he's the captain. So when you're bad as the captain, that's like being twice as bad. Yeah. And um, well called as well, um, Dan, because you said that Monreal would play. Yeah, I'd have been. I'd have been. He was. They tried to use. They tried to use. They tried to utilize him on that left side, but I think it really wasn't working. It wasn't working with Saez. Obviously, Saez have been younger, fitter, obviously faster as well. Of course, he's going to be kept back at the back. Yeah, it did not work for their defence at all. But what was what was our predictions, Calvin? What what did you predict? I think I ended up going four three in the end. Chelsea win. I was close. Yeah, you were the closest. I think. Yeah. Mm. I, I, I think I went like 2-1 2 nil or 2-1 I think you were optimistic with 2-0 oh, I, I thought you were really optimistic with 2-0 to be honest well, It didn't turn out to be too optimistic did it? Nice 4-1 victory <laughs> Did you actually say that? No, me? No, mm. I just said now to you lot because I just thought it was funny The fact that uh, Dan went 2-0 and last night that seemed optimistic, and then we turned out to win four one. Yeah, I don't think I don't think I don't know anyone that would have put a bet on that scoreline. No, I thought we'd lose. I thought we'd lose two one. I, I, didn't see, I don't know where Chelsea fans. That's embarrassing. No, yeah, but the thing is, we're used to Sarri. That's true. You know, we've got, we've got the Sarri effect. I mean, it's he's he's. I think some of us with the style, everything else, he's put us. We're so down sometimes. It's like a big game. You, you see, Kante's went to be injured. We've got no Loftus Cheek, no Hudson Odoi. There's fighting and everything else. And it's like, I honestly thought we'd lose two one. Everything was against question. us, and I feel like that. And I actually made a joke that. Everything felt like it was against us yesterday with the whole training debacle, with uh, Ruben being out, with Callum being out, Rudiger being out, what looked like Kante being out. They made a big deal about Pedro might be out. And I made a joke and said, well, we're just going to have to go and win it against all odds like we did in 2012. Not actually believing that we would win it. It was it was really tongue in cheek, like, well, you know, we've been here before. Let's see what we can do. But... I didn't think we'd win it at all tonight. I mean, especially with Sarri yesterday, Sam, we've only got three midfielders. And they still managed to bring on Barkley for Kovacic. But we've only got three midfielders. Man's a genius sometimes. BT Sport were very funny today. Um, they did a post on social media that said... Um, 
there was a picture, a, a video of Barkley holding up the trophy and he passed it to Kovacic and it said, uh, all too familiar scenes for Chelsea fans. <laughs> I thought that was very good from them. Well, that's, that's the reason I was. I thought we'd lose. I thought I wasn't hopeful. Because it's just, you don't, some of the results we've had this year have just not been good. And you, you don't know what's, you don't know who's going to turn up. Is it the, is it the two, you know, when we beat Man City 2 0? Or is it going to be when we lost to Man City 6 0? Yeah. There's such a variety in between. Just, you know. Although, how, how weird that actually we played. City in the other cup final and actually we didn't embarrass ourselves we lost on penalties and we probably should have won that game in the 90 minutes um, it wasn't a bad performance at all but yet we've had other games in the league this season where it's just been like I don't even understand if anyone knows how to play football anymore Yeah I mean I, I look back recently at the uh, the 6-0 and the 4-0 against Bournemouth and you look at the substitutions that were made, that Surrey made in that game, and it's things like Alonso for Emerson, uh, William for Pedro, and it's all like for life, which if yeah. you're winning, it's not a problem. Mm-hmm. But when you went and then 4-0 down to Bournemouth, I think it was on uh, Alonso for Emerson, it's like, what are you doing? Yeah. Out of the six substitutions between the two games, five were like for life. And another one, I think, was something like, William for Barkley or something. There's a winger for a midfielder, central midfielder. But the others were all like for like in two games that we over lost 10 0. It's very odd because I almost feel like had we have gone 1 0 down tonight, we definitely wouldn't have won that game. I don't think we would have come back because I don't think that. I don't think Sarri would have made the right choices. Again, though, if we think that the second half came down to players, then maybe we would have. But I just think if anything's sort of laid in his corner and it's down to him to make an impactful sub or he just doesn't have it in him. It's just very odd. He's a very odd manager. Yeah, he likes his system. He thinks that his system is right and the players have to fit into his system, which okay is okay sometimes, but if you haven't got players that fit, that's why I think that's when Aquetta's not been so good this year, Alonso's not been so good this year, because they're not playing the same sort of defensive roles they played before. Mm-hmm. And he's he's trying to get them, if you've got that sort of thing, you need to get, you need to adapt your tactics to a degree to suit those players until you can bring in your players. You know, you've got are we judging Sarri too much here? Because you have to put it for his first season at the club. He's got us to third. He got us Champions League football. He got us the two finals. Yes, he lost. He lost one. But he's also won, a, won the Europa League yesterday. Well, tonight. Yeah, but then you go, um, but then you go against Conte, who'd given up by October, was acute to playing defensive football. And then you're placing Sarri, who's meant to be this attacking, quick play and everything else. We had one more shot at goal this season than last season. Mm. Two points. And he's meant to be this wonderful attacking manager who quick play. That may work in his Italian league. But sometimes things don't suit different leagues. I'm not saying our one's 
no, that's totally different. But I just think there's a certain style of play that works in Italy that may not work here. Mm. And I think there's a reason that if the Juve rumours are true that they're going after Sarri, I think it's because they think that, and because they saw with their own eyes what he did with Napoli, uh, there's there's reason to think that that style of football is working in Serie A and they do have more time on the ball and Premier League isn't like that. I mean, you've got the likes of Huddersfield who will chop your legs off to win a ball and just very intense and anyone can beat anyone and we're not just a one-team league and yes okay City won the league again and it's back to back but Liverpool took them to the wire and there's other teams next season that actually if they invest in the right way or if they're smarter in their play or if they up their intensity or there's a whole million factors that will decide next season's Premier League winner but that's because it's so unpredictable. And yeah. I think that Sarri's predictability is what goes against him. But that's what works perfectly in Italy. Yeah. They all seem to have a certain style. I mean, look, how have Italian teams done in European competitions this year? Was it one in each quarterfinal? Yeah, I think so, yeah. Whereas in Juve the went out to Ajax. Yeah. Yeah, and I can't remember who it was in, Italy, in the um, Europa League. That was in the quarter final. I think there was only one Italian team in the quarter final of Europa. It was Napoli, by the way, guys. Yeah, it was Napoli. Napoli. Oh, yeah. Because okay. they got out to Arsenal in the. Uh, uh... Ancelotti's Napoli. Mm. <laughs> so, but the, thing, the one thing we didn't sort have done is they will have watched Napoli last season. So, <laughs> they, know, they know what they're getting. That's yeah. Although I won't lie, and I'm going to say this now, I've seen reactions from Juve fans when the when the headlines first hit that supposedly Sarri was uh, being lined up for the job. They were they, they were less happy and more miserable than we are. I know, I know, I saw a few of those myself. They just said, no, what are we doing? We're not going to win with him. One of the comments was, can we put a roadblock up now? Yeah. That, that's pretty harsh. <laughs> wow, that's, 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 that is very harsh. Can thought... you imagine is that if Sarri does go to Juve are on this unbelievable winning a streak of winning like back to back to back to back uh, Serie A titles and he goes there in his first season and Napoli end up winning the uh, Serie A I don't which one he's, like, he's old club or, he, or even worse for him Conte with Inter oh yeah yeah that could be fun mind you the players he's going for Victor Moses yeah and Lukaku, isn't it, Calvin? Yeah, they're supposedly they have a deal finally because United are willing to let him go cheaper. The issue was Lukaku's wages. Oh. They don't want to pay him as much, and he wants to be paid more. So, allegedly, though, I don't know that I believe any Italian newspapers. Yeah. I mean, one one stat I did put this on the uh, in the match chat room was. This season, um, Giroud has scored 11 goals in the Europa League. 
Yeah, Lukaku 14 got, games. Yeah, Lukaku got a total of 12 in the whole Premier League season. No! Yep. He was bad. No, that, that can't be true. It's true. Lukaku got 12, 12 league goals this season. He wasn't Jesus. starting them all, though, once uh, Ole got behind the wheel, though, did he? Well, he had he was off for uh, compassionate leave for some reason, and then when he came back, he wasn't fit. And Rashford and Martial are putting him in the net, so Ollie's not going to start Lukaku. He's not going to you know do what Mourinho did and just change it up just to change it up. He's going to be like, no, 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 you guys keep going. Yeah. Lukaku in, you could tell Lukaku wasn't fit, but Lukaku wasn't fit when he came back from the World Cup because he he gained too much weight. Yeah, yeah, he did He gained a lot of muscle, and he had to go basically almost a vegan diet to try and get that muscle off. No, I think I think the meme that I saw was you had Lukaku from a couple of years ago, Lukaku now, and in two years he looked like who was that wrestler? Mark something. Yeah, Mark Henry. Mark Henry. That, that was a meme that I saw. Was going around at the beginning of the season because he bumped up so much. Yeah, he said it was for the World Cup, and it was intentional because that was the way Belgium wanted to play. And I was like, "Well, that's great, but you just sabotaged our entire season." Yeah, yeah, you did that for one competition. Oh, I'm sure that Mourinho was through the roof when Lukaku returned. Yeah, like he was when Hazard returned to us in that similar state. Oh, man, that was frustrating. But then after that, Lukaku kept getting injured. All of our players got injured. And I'm not going to single out Lukaku, but Lukaku did not help matters. Mm. I'll I'll be very interested to see how that plays out if he goes under Conte and that that really makes me think now that when Conte was with us, he really wanted Lukaku. Uh, when Lukaku ended up going to you, and we ended up with Morata. Yeah. I think Lukaku would be good in Serie A, though, just because he's such a big physical player. Yeah. He can take on those defenders, because the defenders in Italy are bigger. Yeah, I think you're right. I think maybe he will be successful there. But, but I think the pressure now is back on Spurs, you know, Spurs United and Arsenal because of we've got that transfer ban. We know that Liverpool and City have been for next season going to be fighting fighting it again for the title. But it's going to be the pressures on them three teams due to matter of fact that they've got to go out and get the players that we could go out and we could have signed, but we can't at the minute. And I think that's going to be a huge problem if them teams don't do as well, don't do better than us next season. Yeah, oh, yeah, the onus, the onus is completely off us now because in my mind, next season, whether Sarri stays or not, next season there is zero expectation because we can't compete now in terms of improving our squad. I think it's, you know, very obvious that we've got ageing players that we are now signing extensions, which we don't do we never did for Lampard we didn't do it for John Terry because we have to and next season that for me there's zero expectation we just need to do what we do and see where it takes us and hopefully we're going to include 
some of our rather talented academy uh, and bring them back and actually utilise them and use the next season as a kind of test because we need to know who's worth keeping and who's not. So for me next season, that should be our goal. It should be we need to pad our team out now with with the youth and see how they fare and obviously with the mixture of experience because we can't do anything now for a whole season in terms of business. So we've got to try and make that work for us, whereas everybody else now has that onus to completely step up, step up and make sure that actually it works for them. I mean, the, the thing is, it's like I said this, to, I think it was mental before the season started, Tottenham didn't buy anyone. Which meant they had a settled team. Was they players all knew pretty much what they did. It was completely yeah. settled because if any team brings in loads of players, you've got to wait for them to gel as the old saying goes and that sort of thing. And I said Tottenham will do well because the players know each other. There's no new players, no players to bring in and bed in. Youth players are probably trained in a similar system to the senior players, so there's no no big issue. I said I said before the season started, Tottenham will do well. And their team is fairly young. So going into this season without anybody new yeah. actually wasn't an issue for them because it wasn't like they were having to clear out people. They they actually had a team that was going to work because it had already worked. Yeah. I mean, the problem we've got is, I mean, Higuain? No. Shouldn't sign Higuain up. That was Sarri. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, but there's talk of him staying next season. We can't. We can't though. Yeah, we can. Him and Kovacic can stay. Because yes. he's, um, I think that's only a loan register though. It goes. I think that's only from like what from like when you're renting a library book, only from when you have to bring it back. I think though that the point is because they're already registered, there are clauses in both contracts that mean we can extend that loan. However, my understanding was when we first did those deals was that if we were to extend the loan, that would automatically trigger our option to buy. So, which is worrying because if that means we've got Higuain with a, we're triggering an extension to keep him, does that mean we've got to actually buy him next summer? Kovacic, I don't know. I'm, I'm a bit. I can't. I can't lie. I would take Kovacic. I'd, ta- I'd, I'd take Kovacic because as backup to Ruben. I thought. Because it is his first season in our game, he might, he might have to toughen up over and up over the summer if the summer if he stays with us. What but about Mason Mount? Mason Mount, this is the thing. Mason Mount, I think he might need a, lo- a loan spell in the Premier League in order to see what we to see what type of player we could be getting. Because cha- in the Championship, it's a whole different ball game, whole different ball game. Yeah, but we could we it's could harder. send it out on loan like Abraham when we sent him on loan to Swansea, was it? Yeah. And it that was a complete waste of a year. Yeah, they sold their spine after they loaned him and he had nobody. Yeah, and now he's back at he went on loan to another championship side. And talks are that um Villa could be paying twenty five million for Tammy Abraham. Mm, that would annoy me. 
it would annoy me. It would annoy me too because I think ha- having him in our team for next season will end up benefit will benefit Sinigus more because I think he's got because of his young, enthusiastic. He'll want to score goals. He'll learn off play. He'll learn of players like Giroud. I can't lie. Us signing Giroud for another season. I'm absolutely delighted with that because yeah, of that specific too. reason. I'm hoping that means that Higuain goes back. Because yes. I would happily have Mitchie and Tammy back. With Giroud as the third striker or Giroud is still main striker? I think to begin with, Giroud is main striker and the other two, you know, learning from him. And Because I still think Mitchie's got a lot to learn. He's still young. Tammy 100%. But I think... I think this is where we need to utilise in the cup competitions, in what you should say were winnable games, is where you then start rotating. And you have Giroud as almost like the mainstay, the good influence, the good attitude, and you change things around as and when. But that's where my worry with Sari is. Sari with the transfer ban worries me. The only positive, the only one of the positive lights is, which is an unknown entity, Pulisic. Well, yeah, we don't even know what he's going to be like yet, do we? Because Not you look at um... no, I know, I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> Not ruin him. He is the hope of the entire United States. He's all we have. Do not ruin him. Unfortunately, sometimes we do that with players. Have you not noticed that we're already trying in this country, Calvin? Have you seen the interviews that um, Sky Sports did with him? I avoid that stuff, like the plague. Well, let me tell you. (laughs) He came here his first day where he did the whole sign, you know, the whole reveal in the shirt and Pulisic is back and, you know, absolutely buzzing for him and he had his media day at the bridge and Sky Sports asked him uh, I think it was three questions uh, that all included an answer that required him to speak about Jaden Sancho (laughs) good lord awful absolutely awful and all I thought was you could even tell in his face I was watching these videos you could even see in his face. I'm answering these questions, but I don't know why the hell you're asking me this. Well, could that could that be a deal that's done next season? I think it's just because they want him to play for England. Yeah, but I'm, I'm not concerned with Chelsea at the moment. I mean, we've got this transfer ban this season. Can't we line up transfers for next season? Oh yeah, we can tap people up and. But we'll probably get done for that as well. <laughs> what again? Next year. Well, he's already said publicly. Chelsea's fault, isn't he? Who's that? Sancho. Oh yeah, he is. He's yeah, the Chelsea boy. Yeah. Oh, Jaden Sancho. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. I don't know. I just think we're crazy. I just think they think, oh, we've got Pulisic coming. Let's ask him about Jaden Sancho because he's now one that we're blowing smoke up his ass every five minutes and we're really happy about England and him being in the England side. So rather than ask him about what he's looking forward to when he comes to Chelsea, let's ask him about Jaden Sancho. But the thing is, though, let's say, for example, in that year time, 
we end up getting Jaden Sancho. Callum Hudson Odoi. Are, are we still? We're going to be. Hopefully, he's still at Arsenal. Jaden Sancho. I'd rather, I, I just think there's more in Callum Hudson Odoi. He'll go. I guarantee you, he'll go to Bayern Munich. He'll go Bayern Munich, and then end up winning. He'll end up winning all the triple of Bayern. Yeah, I think we just need to uh, wait and see on that one because from the last thing I heard was that we were going to be speaking to Callum about signing a new deal. So, I don't know. I think we need to wait and see that that happens. I read somewhere that he's actually um, wants to sign a new deal now. Yeah. I think it was four or five-year deal. Yeah, I think I read five, so... Yeah, so, I mean... But then again, Sammy says he gets a lot of minutes for somebody who's like under 22. How old's Pulisic? Like 20, 21. 21. I wonder how many mm. minutes he'll get under Sammy. Mm. Oh my God, he better be starting for the amount we paid for him. Technically, I've got to be smart with the money because Dortmund have used that money that we've spent on Pulisic yeah. and got Forgan Hazard. And Julian Julian Brandt, and still got thirteen million still to spend from that disaster of uh, Pulisic to us. What what's your take on Pulisic, Calvin? He's amazing. No, he's 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 really great. He's more he's technically a midfielder, but he's more of what you would think of as a winger because he, he does get in front of goal and he does score. And he does that a lot for the U S men's team because our strikers are horrible, but that's, not- <laughs> um, but he, he's very, he's, he's, I think he could emulate Hazard. I mean, I think he has it in him to do that. I don't really want to compare him to Hazard and Ronaldo and the like, because he's obviously not there yet, but, I think he has the potential to be one of the greatest players we've produced. See, that's the thing I think as well is that um, a lot of people said when we signed him, well, that's Hazard's replacement. And I was like, whoa, that's, that's not good. Let's not start doing that to the boy. And then, uh, then a lot of people saying, no, 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 he's, he's not, he's not going to be anything like that. He's a completely different player. But then when you, read other people's things so it's like you've just said he's got the potential to be I think that's why we signed him because the potential to be realistically now with the transfer ban gives him a whole season to get used to the Premier League before we can even really start judging him yeah and he's safe too because it does, you're not gonna you sign him and oh well you're you don't really have any other alternatives there's not that many wingers at Chelsea still so you kind of have to keep him yeah, takes the yeah, pressure. Yeah, realistically, we've got William over thirty, Pedro over thirty. We're we're waiting for Callum Hudson Odoi to come back. Looks like that might not be till October, November time. He's gonna be. He's gonna Calvin, have to go I, straight in. Calvin, I've got to ask. Imagine if Pulisic next season, let's say Chelsea versus Manchester United in the FA Cup final, and. Pulisic and becomes becomes a megastar in that final, absolutely batters United. How happy or how bad do you feel at the same time? You're so mean to me. <laughs> I would be 
see Ab- got to be me, right? Set for Manchester United, but then I would be very happy that we got to a final under Ollie in his first season with where he's had a whole transfer window and a season in preseason. So then I'd be like, well, Ollie did pretty well. But then on the flip side, I would be very, very happy for Pulisic because I want him to do well. Yeah, I think it's hard. Are you happier that he came to Chelsea over Liverpool? Extremely. (laughs) (laughs) That would have been your worst nightmare, wouldn't it? (laughs) I used to sign him in FIFA game, in FIFA video game for United, and he just was never very good for me there. And I really just was like, yeah, it doesn't really work with him here. Okay. But I think that's how they programmed him. They did a bad job. (laughs) <laughs> Talking about a player that could actually bite Manchester United in the ass is Memphis Depay. Did you know? But did, did you hear about the rumor he could be going to Liverpool? Isn't everyone going to be going to Liverpool this summer? Isn't that going to be the the thing now? Now that yeah. they no, I'm not. I'm working mate. in the final, final again. I think they're going to be the go-to. They're buying everybody, same as Barcelona. Same as Man United. We're gonna buy Three billion dollar transfer window. We're signing everyone. Yeah. It does get stupid. It made me laugh. Literally, we've been linked with every player going. We've got transfer ban. How does that even work? Why do people compete in their heads? Uh, yeah, I don't get that. Is that how does like one and one equal like three here. Transfer one transfer ban. Two we're linked to we're linked to a player. How does that make? How does that make it all? It's how, just, how, how do they do it? You know why? Because for until today, there was a there was a chance that we were going to ask them to freeze the transfer ban while Cass does their appeal, and. Yeah. Today was the deadline to do that. Well, as far as I'm, I've heard, that didn't happen. Everyone was rather busy today. Um, so we're not freezing the transfer ban. And now people should stop talking about who we're going to be linked with. They won't. I know this is, it's been all over Twitter. We're meant to be buying this player. Why don't we sign this player? I've replied to a couple. We've got a transfer ban. How are we going to buy anyone? You know what? It's wishful thinking that they honestly thought Chelsea were going to ask for the ban to be frozen, which was ludicrous in itself. Because I think this is the smartest thing they've done for a long time. Because what would be the point of getting the or asking for the ban to be frozen now, knowing that that's going to take four weeks? In four weeks' time, all of your top transfers are likely to be snapped up. Or what's more likely is going to happen is everyone knows how bloody desperate you are to buy someone, so you pay over the odds for absolutely everybody. Plus, there is the risk of it not just being a two-window ban turning into a three. Yes. Which would have caused more of a problem. So, I mean, talking of mid-season, because we do have to wrap up soon, um, there is one good thing about mid-season, and that is Arsenal will be playing on a Thursday night. <laughs> sorry, Kev. Oh, we stopped. We stopped talking one year, and now we stopped asking. Yeah. Kev, there's only one way to get round this, mate. Join us on the podcast. Get your view across. 
very well done, Dan, because Kev should have been here from the start, but, you know, he's too busy supporting Norwich these days. Kev, <laughs> naughty. <laughs> That's what's going to happen. He's going to forget about Arsenal next year because he doesn't like Europa League unless it's a final, and now he doesn't even like finals. <laughs> <laughs> he's going to hate me. <laughs> Kev, I think at the end of the day, you're going to be one of those people that just completely goes off football because of how many times you're going to be getting to these states where you're going to lose these huge final games in European. And you'll eventually just just follow Norwich. On the plus side, though, Kev, if, uh, if now this transfer ban looks like it's sticking and we're not going to be doing anything, there's a really good chance that you should be getting top four next year. Ooh, don't bottle it, Kev. Don't bottle it, Kev. <laughs> Imagine if he doesn't. Oh, no. There'll be all sorts of tears coming on, throwing on some Norwich. Let's be having your pictures and that'll be it. No, Kev will still blame Czech, let's be honest. <laughs> still Czech. Right, guys. This has been our podcast for tonight. You were listening to myself, Julian, and the rest of the guys are... LMC Hubsy Oh, JB <laughs> Right guys, thanks for listening Hopefully We'll see you next time Bye-bye. Bye 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 Bye